Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Hour two on the Sports Complex here for you on a Thursday afternoon. We're back from the break, and uh, we'll be back with you as well on Monday, uh, 4 to 7. We're doing the pregame show. Myself and Rob Babers and Aaron Hogan in New Orleans. I'll be here. Rob Babers will be here. Aaron Hogan will be in New Orleans. Uh, But we'll be bringing you that 4 to 7. So this show will be there basically all of next week uh, talking with you guys. But that will be a special pregame show on Monday uh, that should be a fun time Monday, bringing you all of that. But we'll be back tomorrow to talk more. Texas and Washington, we're here today. In an hour or two, we will get into some NFL talk. We'll get to a little bit more NBA if we have a little bit of time. And your text messages, of course, 512-447-3776. We're asking you, how much would you blitz? How often would you blitz if you were making the decisions for Texas? I think it's going to be a big point in this game is what the defense can do to throw Michael Penix Jr. off of his rhythm to get him to where he's not sure and make him wait just a little split more second uh, to get the ball out, to get pressure up the middle with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, to get pressure where he has to step back and can't step up in that pocket, to contain him there so then on the outside you get the pressure, or you may just be able to bring pressure on the outside to get him to step up, and then those big guys up the middle are able to push through and get to him. This is a really, really good Washington O-line, though. So, uh, you know, you may have to bring different things that they haven't seen and different looks that they haven't really seen from Texas. I think if you bring, if you try and line up and, and throw some throw some looks at them and just try and rush with four guys or three guys and try and change it up and give them more time, Michael Penix Jr. is going to kill you because you know they have three NFL-ready wide receivers, and, and that's just dangerous. It's just dangerous to do, to allow a guy that much time. So I think you got to bring pressure. How often do you do it? 512-447-3776. We're asking there. Anything else you want to talk about? Texas football? Cowboys, Texans, if you want to talk some basketball, whatever you guys want to talk about, hit us up on the text line. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. I do want to bring up this because I forgot to bring it up in the first segment. Uh, But it's something I want to bring up about uh, that we talked about on Friday. And it was was, uh, brought up a lot of debate on the text line about mayo versus mustard. I'm just saying, in general, mayo is gross. I'm not even, I wasn't even necessarily advocating for mustard more. I do eat mustard. But I wasn't even advocating. I'm just saying mayo was gross. Uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl happened. Uh, thankfully for Mac Brown, he lost, so he didn't have to get you know slathered in mayo and had a you know get a mayo uh, celebration dunk of the the water cooler. So he didn't have to deal with that. But uh, they did do what they do throughout this game, trying to make viral moments. Is they bring out disgusting, horrible food uh, with mayo on it. And continue to try and get them eat it. It's gross throughout the entire game. It's hard to watch. Uh, and this is the first year I saw somebody in the announce booth turn down, would not eat it. 
uh, the mayonnaise nachos that looked really disgusting, just really disgusting. Uh, those were brought out, and uh, then they were able to uh, then uh, the play-by-play announcer basically said no, and Dan Mullen, who was doing color, uh, agreed to do it. It looked really bad, and I love that Dan Mullen at the or the, the play-by-play guy at the end. Basically, it was like he was like it was delicious. He's like, tell me that at one o'clock in the morning, which I agree with. I think later that night was probably not a great moment for any of them eating that much mayo. And but then they also had the flavored mayos, and they were putting that on different stuff, and they're putting that on cookies, and they put some mustard on a Krispy Kreme. And I don't get it. Just, just put it on a burger, and they'd be like, oh, this makes this burger better. Or put it on whatever it's supposed to go on. Duke's mayo bowl. I know you're trying to be viral. It's gross. Just want to watch football. Big thumbs down to that. But uh, talk some NFL. Getting some NFL. Uh, we will bring up uh, that there was some big news that the Broncos have made their decision. The Broncos have decided that the Russell Wilson era is over before it ever really got going. Broncos country, let's ride, is over. Uh, they will be benching uh, Russell Wilson because his contract will become fully guaranteed uh, if he is to be injured at this season. So. They decided to. They're going to cut ties with him at the end of this season. They're going to start Jared Stidham instead. Uh, apparently, Russell Wilson is known. This has been going on an ongoing discussion behind the scenes, trying to talk with his agents and see if there's any way they could work a deal where he would take away some of this guaranteed money and maybe shorten the contract, maybe give them a couple more outs in this contract if he's not able to turn it around. He was not willing to do that. Which I, I mean, the players' association was involved in this too. They're not going to ever say you should give away guaranteed money because it sets a precedent. And I know that the, the Deshaun Watson deal is supposed to set a precedent. It did not, which means that they're going to have to go. Uh, you know that they they you can't give them an inch as the the owners because then they will take it and say, well, no, he got out of it. We want to get out of all our bad contracts because you guys renegotiate yours. We want to go renegotiate ours. Uh, basically, ends up meaning. That in 2024, they're going to have to spend about $35 million in dead cap. In 2025, $49 million. They're splitting up to $85 million left in guaranteed contract that they gave him. Uh, they're going to split that up over two years. And then by 2026, they're out of the Russell Wilson deal. But Russell Wilson's going to be paid a bunch of money next season. He's still getting his guaranteed money. He'll be getting it next year and can go play somewhere else. Now, I don't know what team that's going to be. It's going to kind of depend on how the draft shakes out. It's going to depend on how free agency shakes out, which team is willing to give him a shot as a starter or give him a shot where, you know, he's a transitional quarterback. Does Seattle, looking at what Geno Smith does, does Seattle say, okay, we'll bring you back now. We'll, we'll come bring you back for a small amount of money. Why not? And you can be you can come back to Seattle. Is that a possibility? Is there another place where he may end up? That's curious to see. For Russell Wilson, I you know I try to look through the teams and I don't think there's a lot of options. You know you could look at a Tampa Bay if they don't know what they're going to do, but you assume Baker Mayfield's played better than Russell Wilson necessarily would, and I don't know why you would make that switch if you're going to keep if you want a you know transitional quarterback. I think you keep Baker Mayfield if you're in Tampa Bay. So I don't know why you would make that switch there. A lot of these other teams are going to be trying to go younger. If you're the Jets, you know they had problems, but they got Aaron Rodgers, so they're hoping he's going to come out. Is this something where Russell Wilson basically sits out and waits for the first quarterback injury? Does he say, okay, I'm getting paid. I don't necessarily need to be at camp. I'll tell you what, I know there's going to be three or four quarterback injuries, and you're going to be scrounging to find a decent quarterback. Is he going to wait for that? Or is he going to go and try and find a team because if you look at the bottom of the standings in the NFL right now, 
Carolina, they, they got Bryce Young. They don't need him. Arizona, they're trying to get rid of Kyler Murray, so they don't want to bring on another quarterback. The Patriots aren't going to bring him in. I mean, they need a quarterback, but I can't imagine him going to play with Bill Belichick. That seems like a disaster. I mean, Bill Belichick may be gone, though, so maybe they bring him in there. I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, too much turmoil there. Washington, they, you know, Sam Howell, unless they're going to ready to move on from him, they could have a new coach. We see if you know they bring a new coach. Maybe he has ties to Russell Wilson. Maybe that's a team where he goes. Titans already got Will Levis. The Giants are paying Dan- Daniel Jones. I can't see them basically benching him by signing him. Chicago's not going to do that. They're going to have a good pick. From you know, There's just not that team. Maybe the Raiders, but he's going to go into vision and go over to the Raiders. Are they going to try and get somebody new? Depends on which coach that they keep Pierce. It's just an interesting question to see where uh, Russell Wilson may end up uh, after the season. But the Broncos are moving on. We'll see what they try and do to get their next quarterback. Because they are now added to the group of teams that needs to find a starting quarterback. It doesn't. It's not that surprising that Sean Payton has said you know, to whoever else, that he wants to find his guy. He doesn't want Pete Carroll's leftovers. He wants to get his guy. He wants to bring someone in, train them to do what he wanted to do. I know that he did a lot with uh, with Drew Brees, which technically was a San Diego guy, but he got him. He got Drew Brees when Drew Brees was, you know, not necessarily. There was the whole story, if you go back and remember that stuff with the Chargers, they basically kept really wanting to get rid of him, and they kept wanting to get rid of him, and then – you know, and then all of a sudden he plays pretty well, but he gets hurt. So the Chargers are kind of trying to get him back and trying to keep him around because they're not sure. But they just played too fast and loose with him. That you know he wasn't sure if he was going to come back. So he ends up, and then Nick Saban says that he, you know, that the doctor said that they wouldn't allow Drew Brees to come, but he says if he would have gotten Drew Brees and he'd been the greatest coach in NFL history. Now he's just the greatest coach in NCAA history. And he ends up on the the Saints and gets him a title and makes Sean Payton a made man as a coach. But he wants to find that guy. So maybe he's going to go out and try and find a guy who's in the league that he thinks he can build. Maybe try and find somebody that he sees out there. Maybe he knows, and that's why he's good with getting rid of Russell Wilson. He says, I know who's out there that we can go get, and I can make him like I made Drew Brees, who wasn't a bad quarterback. But people didn't believe in him. Maybe it's a Kyler Murray. Maybe they. I mean, I don't think you can invest that much money while you're still paying Russell Wilson, but maybe there's somebody out there. Maybe it's a Baker Mayfield. That he feels he can go return and, and, and bring up. Maybe it's somebody like that, but we don't know. We'll see more what happens there with the Broncos. Uh, the Hall of Fame finalists were announced last night uh, to give you some of those names. Uh, for the first-timers eligible, the big names are Antonio Gates and Julius Peppers. Uh, you figure Julius Peppers might be a first ballot. Antonio Gates a tight end. You don't know. He did really revolutionary the tight uh, revolutionize the tight end uh, position, being a number one receiver at tight end. For a long time, I think they're both definitely going to get into the Hall of Fame in just a matter of time. First time finalists, Eric Allen, Rodney Harrison, uh, Fred Taylor, and Jari Evans, the offensive lineman, are all up there. I'm not sure if any of those guys are going to get in this year. Uh, Rodney Harrison probably will get in in time. Uh, And then the guys who are returning on the ballot have not gotten in yet. Jared Allen, uh, Willie Anderson, Dwight Freeney, which is surprising that he's not in. I I mean, like the stats don't quite, but eye test-wise, Dwight Freeney's in. Devin Hester is another uh, eye test guy that should be in. Torrey Holt, uh, Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson's stats aren't there. They just aren't, and it sucks. But for the Houston Texans and what he meant to that Houston team, and, I mean, eye test-wise, Andre Johnson should be in. He just played on a lot of not good teams there for for, for Houston. But, I mean, eye test-wise, i got to put him in. But we'll see. Reggie Wayne also on that list. Patrick Willis and Darren Woodson. 
Uh, would be good to see Darren Woodson get into. I think he is deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. It's the NFL, though. It's not the Basketball Hall of Fame. Not everybody gets in. But those are your names for the NFL. A uh, couple notes on the games this weekend. Won't go too far into it. It's been a little bit of time. Uh, the Browns do beat the Texans 36-22. to the Double whammy because the Browns are playing really well. You were hoping to get a better pick when Deshaun Watson went down, but that defense is playing phenomenal. Uh, Case Keenum gets pulled in the game. Davis Mills has an okay game, puts up 149 yards and two touchdowns in that game. So an okay game from Davis Mills. But from reports of practice today, a lot of guys back out there. C.J. Stroud is at the end of concussion protocol. He's back practicing again, so that's good to see. Brian Cashman is a big help on that defense. Unfortunately, Jimmy Ward has been shut down for the season now. Uh, but they did bring in Kareem Jackson, who, if he can stay out of trouble, could be a good piece in the secondary to try and get them some wins. They are still tied atop the lead of the AFC South because everybody's lost the last two weeks. Jags, Jags had every opportunity to run away with this, and they have not. So the Texans are still in it with two weeks to go. Cowboys not fortunate. 20-22, to 22, uh, Dolphins win that game. Uh, Dak did not have a bad game. 253, two touchdowns. I uh, did get sacked four times. Uh, we know the reality. Tony Pollard. I'll tell you one thing. Defensively for the Cowboys, DK uh, Dan Quinn played a really coached a pretty good game. You know, I know there's some complaints about Michael Parsons being held. A lot of guys are getting held. It's unfortunate. It sucks. If we saw why why Bosa was freaking out last season, now you know why. Because he's like, I'm getting held every single play. Uh, but we can say the run the run defense did step up. The Dolphins combined for only 90 yards, 91 yards rushing in that game. So that's a positive out of it. The negative, Tony Pollard only gets 38 yards on the ground. They don't really have a running game. It's going to be a problem. I still think they got to find some way to address this before you get to the playoffs. Just something. Just try something. If you're Jerry, you got to try something to bring it out. Uh, but I did hear an interesting uh, theory on this, which was actually mentioned before the the Miami game, but I didn't, you know, you didn't know until you saw this and you just go, yeah, it's a road. The road, for whatever reason, is killing them. And Marshall Falk brought up an interesting idea about the Cowboys on the Rich Eisen show, which was basically that Dak Prescott at home, because he's able to hear, because he can talk to all the players, is able to get to the line of scrimmage. And Dak even came out and said that Mike McCarthy's play calling, getting the plays in quick, really helps him out because they're able to see everything and make the adjustments they need to make. But Marshall Fox theory is that on the road, either Mike McCarthy is taking away Dak's ability to make the play calls because it's too loud, or because of the volume, he's having a harder time checking down on plays or you know uh, uh, checking out of plays and and trying to make game time decisions and audibles and things to the line of scrimmage to find the right play when he reads a defense at the line of scrimmage. And now he's having to basically have guys win battles, which they're not always going to be able to do. And we actually talked about this on the show that there is something to be said for when Kellen Moore left, Dak Prescott stepping up and looking even better and making some better reads when he didn't have another quarterback basically telling him, this is how I would play it and letting Dak play the way he would play it as a veteran quarterback now in Dak, that it's an interesting look that Marshall Falk may be onto something that on the road Dak may not have the same amount of freedom, whether it's volume or whether it's Mike McCarthy. You need to find a way around this when you get to the playoffs to change, to allow Dak to have a little bit more freedom when he sees something, go and try and take advantage of it because it feels like they're not able to do that in these games, and it's kind of stalling this offensive points. They were able to come back and take the lead, 
in the second half. The defense did its job. They were bam, but don't break. But at the end of the day, just didn't work out for the Cowboys. They lose another one on the road. It basically takes the NFC uh, East out of contention. They're going to play some road games. Uh, but this is not the end of the world for the Cowboys. I think there's some fixable things, but the run game, the run game, the run game. You have to find something to do in the run game. Uh, Daryl Henderson Jr., I know. I know this is bottom-of-the-barrel stuff, but I'd be calling Daryl Henderson Jr. He just got cut from the uh, the, the Rams practice squad. I'd call him and just be like, do you have any legs left? We need somebody else to just run up the middle. We need somebody else to try and get us some yards, and if he doesn't, you cut him again. Put Rico Doddle on, you know, the practice squad for the, I don't know if anybody's going to pick him up this late in the season. He's been okay, but he hasn't done anything. You know, he's not he's not winning you games. I, I bring in somebody else. I, I I know it's hard, and there's not many people out there, but I don't I don't find Rico Doddle, and I know they really like the guy. I know they really like the guy, but I just you that's such a massive problem that you have right now. On this Cowboys team, you have to be able to run the ball. So you run the ball, you don't keep giving the ball back to to Miami. If you're able to run the ball, you can do so many other things. I just it, you have to be able to do it, especially when you get to the playoffs. And they just don't be able to do it. Uh, also, other noteworthy games: the Ravens do beat the 49ers 33 to 19. Brock Purdy has his worst game of the season, throwing four interceptions. Lamar Jackson may have won himself the MVP in this game, not even doing that much. 252 in the air, 45 on the ground, and two touchdowns. Uh, Lamar may be your front runner now after that four interception game. We saw that Brock Purdy is vulnerable. Could this stick up in the game? Debo Samuel didn't have a good game in there either. Ayuk, uh, Kittle, Christian McCaffrey all still had 100-yard games. But uh, Brock Purdy just turned the ball over too many times that the Ravens were able to win that game. Something to notice. People are going to be watching that game film now. Uh, Finally, tonight, we get Jets versus Browns. Zach Wilson is in concussion protocol, so we're under our, what, 58th quarterback for the Jets. Uh, Trevor Simeon's getting the start again, uh, and if we want to talk about reality of what this game's going to be, the Browns have motivation. The Jets don't. You know, the Jets know, and, and, you know, I think this defense could give problems to Joe Flacco, and you could, you know, Joe Flacco's thrown two picks against the Texans. I think you could be in this game defensively for the Jets, but I don't, I just don't think that they have the motivation, and, and this Trevor Simeon ain't going to give it to him against this offense, against this uh, this Browns defense, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. I don't think there's going to be too much of a surprise tonight, but who knows? It is Thursday Night Football. Crazier things have happened. But, oh, man, that's going to be uh, two good defenses. Just one doesn't have anything to play for anymore. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, uh, more of your text messages, 512-447-3776, 3776 uh, We may play you some sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie, some good stuff about the Washington O-line that Rod talked about this morning. I may play that for you as well. Uh, but we're going to try and get to all your text messages as well. The poll today, how often would you blitz if you were Texas against Washington? Also, you want to talk any Cowboys, any Texans, any Spurs, any basketball, any other Texas football? You got any questions or concerns? We talked a lot about the defense earlier. Anything you want to add about the t- the defensive game plan you want to see or what you're worried about from this Texas defense? Throw that in to the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll be right back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, thehornfm.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. 
you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on The Horn. the sports complex on a thursday afternoon playing some smooth d'angelo playing some sugar music for you since we're in the sugar bowl waiting on the sugar bowl on monday you know i could have played brown sugar by the rolling stones but i thought i'd change it up a little bit and play some some funky soul there and some d'angelo brown sugar for you i forgot i forgot about the song i was searching brown sugar and i was like oh i forgot the d'angelo version of that is killer some good stuff there from D'Angelo. I didn't turn it down before he says some nasty stuff on the radio. Text lines open 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We're asking you how often would you blitz because I think the blitzing and getting pressure on Michael Penix Jr. is going to be pivotal in this game, but you can't overdo it. You guys got to find the right times to do it. For You don't want to give up uh, too much protection uh, in that secondary. You're going to need to help out. You can in the secondary. So what can you get there? Uh, text lines open. Uh, if you got an answer for that, if you want to talk any Texas football, Cowboys, uh, any of that stuff, we'll get into that. We'll try and get some more NBA talk as well. And I do have some sound from uh, Ian Rod. Hook him up with Ian Rod B this morning talking about the, the Washington O-line. That is some good stuff as well. Uh, Texer says, knowing it's been weeks since playing Washington, uh, knowing it's been weeks since playing, and Washington likes up-tempo offense and Texas defensive line had hands on their hips in the, even in the last couple regular season games. And has anyone asked Coach Shark when he plans to work his team into optimal football shape for the final four games? They have been working. Uh, they've been going, you know, they, once you get into New Orleans, it's more the question of continuing to try and make sure the diet and people don't go out and eat too much of the, the good New Orleans cooking. But uh, I think that they'll be fine as far as shape. And also one of the problem, one of the realities, Washington doesn't play up-tempo. They're one of the slower teams in college football, actually. So they're not a huge up-tempo team. Uh, they've done up to them before. They may break tendency and try and do it some, but they are a pretty slow, methodical team because in reality, when you have a you know five-year quarterback like Michael Penix Jr. and you have a guy who's able to step back and really read a defense and pick where he wants to go and you have multiple options, you're not so worried about the defense setting. You're more worried about getting your, your quarterback the best possible read and if you rush up to the line, you may be missing out on that read. You may be missing out on an offensive line that has been really good this year. I believe their center is out, but that that could lead some problems, especially coming up the middle. Uh, but a really good offensive line that you want to give them time to identify where their guys are. You want to give the defense. You want to get them into their stances. And there's a different part. Uh, Peyton Manning used to do this. 
that he would call, he would get to the line and go, go through really long cadences, and defensive linemen hated it because it made them, they would rush to the line and then not snap the ball, so it wasn't really hurry up, uh, but they would go and get to the line and sit there. Michael Penix Jr. may do that some too to try and get them and wear their legs out so they're not huffing and puffing. It just wears on your legs after a while because you're constantly down in that stance and it's killing your knees for a big guy like Byron Murphy or Tavondre Sweat. So you could see that, but I don't think that hurry up is necessarily. I think you'll see it at points to break tendency, but I wouldn't worry about it uh, throughout the entire game. Uh, Texter says, bring five or six on every play. Change the three down linemen and three linebackers and blitz from different places. Keep them guessing. Change the line throughout the game. Not sure I would do that. I, I'd still probably keep you around four offensive linemen because I do want to you know, use your strength. I don't necessarily want to change everything because uh, at that, you're going to be switching out Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat a lot or you're going to have not an edge on one edge. Uh, so I don't know if I would do that a ton. Uh, I think the defensive line is stronger than the linebacking core right now, so I, I you know, I'm going to leave that uh, as the defensive line is is, is where I'm going to put it personally. Uh, that's what I would do, and I think they're I don't think they're going to change and try and I think you're going to have Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy on the field as much as they possibly can in this game. Uh, but you're going to want to see them pressure up the middle I, and, and bringing five or six. I think I bring five a lot more. Once you start bringing six, you better have it, you know, on it down where you feel you can get the coverage. But if you bring six over and over and over again you're really going to have a lot of problems with the run game slipping through and getting a lot of yardage. Uh, Dylan Johnson's a big guy, so if you're trying to get him tackled with safeties and you know defensive backs that are coming on an angle, it could be a little bit more difficult. Uh, Freak Nasty ATX says, I would blitz Anthony Hill for the first three plays. Uh, just him. If he hits the quarterback, the QB will be looking for him all game long. Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and look, we're going to see if we don't know the the script for either guy, you know, with Kalen DeBoer, you could see him take a shot in that first three plays, and, or you could see them just run the ball with Dylan Johnson several times and try and establish, because I think if they establish a run early, which hopefully they won't be able to against this Texas front, uh, they're able to establish a run early in this game. It's going to be a lot of problems for Texas because your game plan involves stopping the run. That's what you've done against Every team that you've blown out this season, in games where you're playing well, you're stopping the run. So if Dylan Johnson's able to get four yards a carry, five yards a carry, then you really have to start reassessing everything you're doing defensively. You're going to be on your heels. So I, I could see them trying to run Dylan Johnson early to see if they can get some pressure. And if not, they go back into the plan because they know what Texas' plan is, is to stop Dylan Johnson and go with that. Um, and Nate says, Patrick, I don't have to talk about your poll today because I feel confident that we're winning the game. I like that, Nate. I like that. And uh, I, I can't believe you bring with me uh, about my Cowboys either. Jacob is gone. He is uh, moving on to greener pastures. Uh, we wish the best for him. But uh, I, I do. I, I'm surprised as well that uh, you agree with me about your Cowboys. I'm, I, I'm, it's not hate. It's not, I'm rooting for the guys. Believe me, the party is better when the Cowboys win. I have a lot of friends who are Cowboys fans, and I'm always rooting for the party to be better. So I'm rooting for the Cowboys. Because I don't want I don't want to be you know midway through a beer and then I, everybody around the room is not talking anymore and I'm still having a good time because my Texans haven't been good for years, so you know I I get you I'm, I'm with you Nate I'm with you. Uh, Chan says uh, uh, Brock looked lost. Yes, he did. And blitz on third and greater than seven. Yep, that's and those are standard blitz plays. I, I so I agree with that. And that's it. Do you want to bring? Uh, do you want to bring blitz plays more on first down and second down? That's kind of where we're looking at it. 
Washington doesn't play much crossing routes that maybe uh, they're changing in the Tennessee. I think they'll play crossing routes. I think they'll they'll play a uh, bunch formation against the Texas because they know those are weaknesses. Kellen DeBoer is a really good coach. So I think they will do both those things. But it, the risk, when you see big plays that have been allowed by Texas, the – you know, the want of those and the urge and the, the temptation to take those passes may be too much. And uh, front seven needs to harass Michael Penix. I, yeah, I agree. You have to harass him. We, you just need to. If you don't allow him, you've you got to be able to in there. Uh, great song, D'Angelo. Could play that album from front, uh, front to back on Shuffle. Another good song would be Beanie Man, Girls Dim Sugar. I don't know. That sounds – I don't know the song. We'll say I don't know the song, uh, but I, I am uh, – I would assume that I may not be able to play that on the radio. I don't know. Maybe I can. Uh, WPI Parts Guy says, I just want to see uh, second half sacks and pressure. Yeah, you want to see it in the second half especially. I agree with that. And 35-17 to 17 Texas wins. I would love to see them hold Washington to 17 points. That would be a huge victory for this Texas defense and this Texas team. And disguise coverages make Penix not trust his eyes. I like that. Uh, kind of change up what you're doing. I think you're going to have to play physical. I don't know how much you can disguise for this Texas defense, especially considering the fact that, you know, this Washington team knows PK really well, that there may be some more issue in uh, trying to trying to disguise things from him. But, you know, you never know. You never know. Uh, how does Dylan Jay compare to Ollie G size-wise and statistics-wise? Uh, Dylan, So Dylan Johnson is much more of a – he's going to run up the middle. He is not necessarily going to make a ton of cutbacks. He can do a little, but he is much more a bruiser runner up the middle, which works really well in the Pac-12. They don't have a lot of – you know they're not necessarily about big individuals and large humans on the inside. They're not about that. Uh, so you know his running works really well in that. But when you're running into bigger humans and you're trying to be a big human running through them – it may slow him down. All right, I want to play this audio from Hook Him Up with Ian Robbie this morning uh, talking about uh, the Washington O-line. Some good stuff from Rob Babers there. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line for the Washington Huskies. Um, while, while we were on break, they actually won the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country. Texas was in the conversation as well. I believe Texas was a – Texas was a finalist or a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award, too. So Texas offensive line, um, also one of the better ones in the country. But there's a case to be made that the Washington offensive line is the best in the country overall. They just won the Joe Moore Award, period. Uh, Chris Peterson says it's the best pass protection unit in all of college football. They've only allowed 11 sacks this season, seven all of last season, 46 tackles for loss this season is what they've allowed. Uh, so they're top five in the country and fewest sacks allowed. And one of the strangest kind of storylines about this offensive line is that they lost their starting center for the season. Uh, his name, uh, he was a sixth-year senior, actually. Uh, and it, it was Me, uh, Mele uh, Mateo, I believe, was his name. Yeah, sorry, Mateo Mele. I mixed it up. Uh, Mateo Mele, he was a sixth-year senior. He had a season-ending injury in week two, and that's when they moved the 207, at the time, 270-pound uh, freshman, uh, redshirt freshman right guard to center, Parker Brailsford. And everybody assumed that this would be extremely detrimental 
and it would put them at a severe disadvantage. I think it did for a while before they adjusted, uh, but now that offensive line is playing uh, like the best offensive line in the country, or one of them. Uh, the pair of fifth-year juniors, Nate Kalepo and Julius Bulo, they're the ones who solidified the interior because they're both now the starting guards, um, so they book in Parker Brailsford, which helps him out a lot. They don't overburden the young man, uh, but that offensive line with uh, Roger Rosengarten, playing the right tackle. He is uh, really good. He's going to play in the league. He's an NFL guy. Did not allow a sack all season long. Uh, Troy uh, Fautanu is the left uh, tackle. He's a star. He was a... He was a first-team All-Conference pick. He's third-team All-American. He's also a guy that will play on Sundays. I mean, he's they, those two tackles are NFL guys. And it, what makes it even more extraordinary is that, you know, everybody assumed that the interior offensive line for, would be a weakness for them after losing three of their 2022 starters from the interior. They lost Jackson Kirkland, uh, Corey Luciano, and Henry uh, Bainvalu. They were all starters in the interior line. When Texas played them in the Alamo Bowl, they had a different group of uh, starting interior offensive linemen, lost that group, replaced them with uh, a couple of guys who were inexperienced, and then even lost that guy. Uh, in terms of the veterans they had in the interior and had to replace them with a redshirt freshman, and yet they've kept they've kept the uh, the the standard pretty high that they're playing at for that offensive line. They also one of the other I think subplots that's really interesting when Kevin DeBoer came in two years ago, he actually kept the offensive line coach Scott Huff from the previous regime. And there was no real reason for him to keep them because that offensive line had underachieved. I mean, they went 4-8. and eight. They were 120th in the FBS in yards per rush that season at 3.19. Uh, their pass protection was in shambles. You know, a lot of people would have thought, oh, you go in there, you bring in your own offensive line coach. That was not the case. They kept Scott Huff around, and it's paying huge dividends because they've been one of the better O-lines in the country the last two seasons. This could end up being, at least Chris Peterson, former Washington coach, thinks this could end up being the determining factor in the game. And I think when you look at how the game might play out, and I think it will play out. Texas will make Washington one-dimensional because they made every team one-dimensional by taking away the run, and Texas is a top-five rush defense. When they do that, uh, when they take away the run and force Washington to be one-dimensional, where Washington is perfectly comfortable because they're a, pa- they're a passing first team anyway. I think the month of November, their pass uh, ratio, or you look at their pass rate, is about 55%. So they're passing more than they're running anyway in the month of November. I think you're going to see that upped even more. They're probably going to lose the balance they have in the offense with the running game, maybe try more unconventional methods to run the football, whether it be wide receiver reverses and ends around, and maybe they'll go with some quarterback draw, some, some, of the, some ways, maybe the extension of the running game, the screen game, uh, the quick game. But I think Texas will stop the traditional run game, and that's when it will come down to can they pass protect against Texas pass rush and if Texas can't get there organically, how often will they blitz? And when you blitz, your corners and your DBs are on an island. And for how long are you going to leave them on that island if you're blitzing before you got to get home? Because last year they didn't get home once. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, uh, it is. it feels like it's Chris Peterson, as you cited, that interview – he was such a good coach. He was such a meat and potatoes. Came from Boise State. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was lines of scrimmage. You know, just attention to detail, toughness. That's what his programs were built on. And then Jimmy Lake, Indiana, kind of kept that going with Pete Kwiatkowski. 
And it feels like, you know, bringing in Kalen DeBoer has, you know, what really changed it is he's brought in the dynamic quarterback and he retained Roma Dunze, right? He was a, Rome was a big time recruit out of Las Vegas. Um, you know, but through the coaching changes, that's a guy that could have jumped out of there. Yeah. Uh, and he stayed. And now you've got these three NFL receivers. And so it's like Kalen DeBoer's brought the, kind of like Sark, brought the, the offensive mind uh, and, and a quarterback to what Chris Peterson and Jimmy Lake were already doing, which was being really solid. Just, you know, not, Washington's never going to over-talent you. They, no. What you say? They don't have any five-stars no on the team. No five-stars. They have more three-stars than anybody in the college football playoff on their roster. So, And that's how Chris Peterson won at Boise State, right? You have to, you have, you have to coach them up, develop them up, get, get guys to different levels. Uh, they've done that at Washington, but they never had the dynamic offense and the dynamic quarterback. Well, now they do. So you're mixing the two, and Kalen DeBoer's done a real good job of that. It was the right hire. Sark has, you know, with the coaching staff he hired to build the lines of scrimmage, and then he brings the offensive mind, right? And PK uh, has really, you know, developed that defense, and, you know, it looks like they're going to develop it even further down the line with the acquisitions yep. they've made in the portal and the recruiting classes. But I think you see where these teams are going. That's why it's going to be a fun game. Both teams are really, really solid up front on both sides. Both teams – you know, their past defenses can be had if the quarterbacks get time. And so both teams have really good quarterbacks with uh, offensive-minded coaches. Um, you know, he who gets pressure probably wins this game. Yeah, and uh, the running game, you know, on both sides, not sure how much of a role it is going to play um, because of the past defense, how susceptible they are. But keep in mind, Washington's offensive line, um, they actually look at yards before contact. They're one of the better run-blocking units in the country, too. Uh, they were top 10 in yards before contact per rush, if you look at versus uh, FBS opponents. Now, this was through week 12, uh, but as accurate as and accurate uh, as we could get, as recent as we could get, they were top 10, um, averaging 3.1 yards before contact per rush. Texas is really good, too. Um, Texas was at 2.4, but let you know that they, they get a push. Will they get anything similar to that against Texas? I don't think they will. Um, just letting you know that that offensive line, not, not totally a finesse offensive line. Uh, they like to get in there and run the rock, and you saw that versus teams like USC uh, and versus Oregon late in the year. Well, to your point all the time, they'll, they'll break tendency. Uh, they've done it a lot this year. When you think they're going to do one thing, they go a different direction. That's good coaching. Good stuff there from Hook em Up with Ian Robby. Weekday morning 6 to 11 right here on The Horn. Uh, talking about that Washington O-line, because that is something that is not necessarily, I don't think Texas fans necessarily have the respect for that O-line that maybe other people in the country do. But we'll see what happens with, uh, especially Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, but if those edges can get home, if Ethan Burke can have a good game against this O-line, that changes a lot. Changes a lot. All right, we got to take a last break. We'll come back, wrap the show here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. All right, got to get out of here. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. More content, talk in Texas, Washington. Also, I believe my man Joe Cook is going to call in, give you more insider perspective from there in New Orleans, talk in Texas, Washington. Get you ready for the NFL slate this weekend as well. By the way, you're playing fantasy and you're lucky enough to be in a championship game or semifinal if you put your, your schedule weird. Amari uh, Cooper, I believe he's just been ruled out, so check your schedules. Thursday night game tonight. You know, it's, it's a lot going on football right now. It's a good time. It's a good time to be a sports fan. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks to everybody on the text line. We appreciate you. Come on back tomorrow and let's play again. Uh, tomorrow, 4 to 6, right here on the horn. 
Till then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean, and we'll see you right back here at 4 o'clock for more of the Sports Complex on the Horn.